Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is Joshua Gillow alongside my trusty wingman, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? What's going on, my man? I got this brand new microphone. You hear how crispy this thing is? It was so crispy, it shut us down and we had to restart it. Yeah. <laughs> Taking all the it bandwidth. Do, does sound nice and silky, man. That's like that uh, late night FM DJ voice. Yeah, the last podcast, we were talking about how uh, my real voice, about my, my hood voice and my gangster voice and my professional voice. So now my shit is just clear voice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice and crisp. I love it. I love it. So Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we got a fun subject to talk about today, right? This this whole concept of failure, right? Embracing failure and getting comfortable with it, right? Because in business, you know, you're going to run into a lot of walls, man. I know I have, Dwayne. Have you run into a lot of walls in business over the years? You know, Joshua, this topic, you might have to coach me out of the thought of the failures. Like this topic is so strong to me with the amount of failures and amount of dark side moments that I live just trying to get to this point that I am now talking to you, I still feel them. I still feel the energy. Like even when you brought up the topic, it still sort of makes my heart flutter and makes me shake a little bit thinking about a lot of the failures that I've have gone through to get to this point. So, I mean, this could be a grab your popcorn, maybe get a drink episode because I think this might be a little earth shattering. You might even catch a tear out of me. Yeah, man. I t- well, you know, we always want to be authentic here for sure and just say it as it is. You know, that's how we roll here. So, I mean, if you want to keep rolling with that, Dwayne, keep rolling with it because I mean, we can both share a lot of good failure stories throughout. And if you haven't failed, you're not trying hard enough. Let's put it that way. You're, you're playing way too clean and way too simple. So if you want to go big, you're going to have to, you know, take some punches along the way. So Dwayne, why don't you start us out with some of your thoughts? Well, you know, I just got to start off with, you mean, just the path of what it really was. Like, you say, embrace your failures, embrace your failures, build this, build this. I don't know if you came like me. I didn't really know what I was doing when I was in starting out. Like, so to fail at anything, I didn't even know what I was failing at. I just saw that uh, some guy taught me how to lay. So he didn't really teach me. He just, um, he said he's going to pay me, pay me 200 bucks to get him a paver job. And I got him one. And and I'm like, whoa, you got to show me how you're doing it. So I work with him. And after about a year, you know how it is, Mr. Business Owner, we're on our own. Let's go out there and bang this thing out. And my first job, I sold it. And my dumbass sells the fan pattern on the very first job, very first job. And I couldn't, I didn't realize that you couldn't do a fan pattern on old Greenwich cobble. You needed a Classico. And the client picked old Greenwich cobble. It was a circle pattern, but I didn't know. And so I tried to level the patio. And I know Mark Rodas from uh, Perfect Paver. We were just talking about that today in our our uh, mastermind meeting today. And 
I didn't even know how to set the base. Like I had to call my the guy who taught me up how to set and level the base. And then once I got the base set, then I'm like, okay, cool, I can lay pavers. And, and my reason for pulling away from him was I was the artist and I wanted to produce art in the backyard. And he just wanted to just lay patios and make money. So I'm like, I'm sick of you. I got to go do my own so I can do some sweet shit like a fan pattern in somebody's first paver patio. So I get the pavers, I get the land and nothing's working. And it's my birthday weekend. And I'm like in tears. I remember that I remember calling Isabel up and she was just like, babe, you just relax. I'm like, babe, but you just don't understand. I told these people the money and it, this was big money to me. I think the job was like $6,000, but coming from the grass cutting side, this was really big. I mean, this was $6,000. Somebody's paying me to do something in their backyard. It just That was just a lot of money. I was just terrified to death. And um, I never got the fan pattern down, but I just sold her this really two big circle patterns and she loved it. Like, you mean her neighbor is actually, I did her neighbor's patio. I'm still really best friends. Matter of fact, if you see videos, like you see comments on Facebook and you see like a Pamela Meege and say you're Superman or you're superstar, that's actually her neighbor that uh, we did her job for. Pretty dope. That's really cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, we could go through a whole repertoire of failures throughout, right? Through business because you know, I find that myself personally, that I learn best by making mistakes. I learn best by learning in the trenches, right? Because there's two ways you can learn stuff. Either you can read books or go to school and learn it philosophically, or you can learn it actually, right? You can learn it realistically. And I tend to, to work better in that environment. I tend to uh, learn best in that environment. So that's where I've always headed, you know, and and, you know, you you learn lessons. Sometimes they're expensive, sometimes they're painful, but at the same time, you can you always grow from them because you've internalized them. They become personal to you, right? They become situations that you get around. Now you have the choice in what kind of story you you add to that or what kind of story you create around that, whether it's I'm a failure or whether that was a failure. Like that's that's a bigger question, really. So, you know, it's a matter of what story you assign to those things. But I look at all these failures as not failures, they're all part of learning, right? And if you don't learn by making mistakes, then you're not truly pushing hard enough. And that's that's always been my mantra as far as that goes. But I know when I first started out in the very first years, I was happy to have anybody pay me to do just about anything, right? My One of our first projects was we lived along the Delaware River and a lady came up to my parents' garden center and said, guys, you look, you know, every couple of years of Delaware floods, it's just a natural thing. And the whole side of the bank, it's all ripped apart. And she hired us for $2,500 we had a little, uh, not a little, but it was an F-250, a gray, you know, single, uh, you know, bed with a single cab on it. And we went down there and I said, all we want you to do is just cut all the trees up and just make it nice so we can get down there and enjoy the river when it's not flooding. So we did that, 2,500 bucks. I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. Like 2,500 bucks. And all we did was use a chainsaw and we, we spent a whole day or two days, whatever it was there and had a good time with it. But, you know, when I realized like, oh my goodness, like, you can actually make some money doing this. It's like one of the first times out. So, and she actually started bitching at the end, something about, you know, we did a, I thought we did a great job with her and, and she, uh, we did everything she asked for. She was very happy. Then she complained about pricing and all this stuff. Anyway, it became a kind of a goofy thing. But anyway, the point is that after that, we started advertising like, hey, you can hire us to do mostly landscaping type stuff, outdoor living stuff, but nothing to this extent of what we're doing now. But anyway, the, the thing is we did that and, Eventually, I realized, you know what, I want to do more design side of things. I want to do, I'm more the creative, the planner, like, let's plan this out. And the ideas that we were coming up with and just trying to be as out of the box as possible and try to be creative and, and have some fun so each one's unique, you know, I was getting a ton, a ton of no's. 
Like it was constant. It was, it was a constant stream of no's. And I was like, well, what's going on here? It's in it. What it all boiled down to at the end, after hitting that wall over and over was that the clients were thinking of a more basic type system because we were just starting out and all that. But in my mind, I already seen ourselves winning. I already saw ourselves 20 years into this, like, you know, oh, wait, wait a minute. So I don't have a track record of building these big projects, but I have the want, the drive, the need that the actual insatiable appetite to build them. But I just need somebody to say yes, right? So it's the smaller projects were no problem to sell. But when the bigger ones came through, or at least projects I saw potential as being bigger projects, I would say, okay, well, it's time to design this thing. Let's take it to the nines. Let's really show them what's possible there. Not realizing that they had to pay for it. Like I was just excited to be able to design something cool. And then, you know, a lot of those projects where they go back and retool and make them smaller and this kind of thing. But but man, the years, years, Dwayne, I was in the trenches, you know, just getting beat up by these people being like, man, you know what? Nope, sorry, too big, too much money. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? There's no way we're going to spend that much in the backyard. And we're only talking like 20, 30, 40, $50,000 projects in the beginning. And then they started escalating up bigger as well. But we were getting a lot of pushback because at that time, our reputation didn't supersede us. Like, you know, no one knew who we were. Like they, they never, we never proved ourselves yet. So they get to the point where they're just like, I don't know who this guy is. I'm not going to give him 30, 40, 50 grand or more to do something that I've never seen him do before. So there, there was that, that we fought for years until we finally got a yes. And then once we got a yes for a bigger project, then everything turned. But I just would never stop hitting that freaking wall because I knew that it's not failure. I, every time that that happened, I learned one way that it didn't work. That's it. And then I, the next one, I would adjust and adjust and adjust until we figured it out, right? And then once we figured it out, then it's then it's simple. Like then it's all processes and systems and it makes perfect sense. If, so, you know, again, when it comes to failing, you, you miss, you, you fail at 100% of things you don't try. It's that simple, right? You probably heard that adage a hundred times, but my philosophy is this, you succeed and you learn something 100% of the time you do anything. So whether you win or lose makes no difference. It's, it's whether you actually learn in the process. So that's my fun story. I got lots of others I could put in there as well with those things. But what are some of your thoughts, Wayne? You know, I just had an aha moment by what you were saying about hearing the no's. Maybe because, one, I'm a former Marine, so I already had that rah, 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 you mean sort of kill, kill, kill mentality. My first sort of jobs, like I think I was just telling you and Mark today, that I've only really had like two jobs my entire life, and both of them were car sales. So, you mean, I had learned a technique of selling, I learned a technique of, on a car sales standpoint, you mean how to close and how to do whatever. So I didn't really have an issue with selling the job. Like I didn't have an issue with selling the job or selling the the designs that I want. I was des- I was selling the designs according to the knowledge of who I was at the time. So I wasn't I didn't have a problem selling those. What my biggest problem was is is where my major failures was is running a business. I thought I knew and I didn't know I didn't knew and then my ego was going by what it knew, it thought it knew everything. And it wasn't an arrogant way. It was just an ego-based way. So you actually said something that I caught too. I, I'm, I'm sort of taking a mental note of what you're saying, but you said something about a point of you holding yourself accountable for it. And I thought the failures of the business and just things that was going on, I thought that was me. I, I thought it was just all me, that I was stupid, that I wasn't smart, and I would beat myself up. And so just trying to, to survive that alone, 
was really tough. And I went through some tough times. Like, and like I think we even said this on one of the podcasts. It's probably one of the reasons why I really don't smoke weed right now is because during those younger years, those early 20s I was in business, is, is where a lot of your friends smoke weed and drank. The problem that I was having is when I was smoking the weed and hanging out with them, I would all out destroy myself. You mean you're stupid. You should have made the phone call back. You owe this person money. I can't believe you lost this deal. Or why didn't you do that? Or why didn't you do that? So I would get high and I would laugh and joke and have a great time. And then once it, the, you mean the the second, third level of getting high kicked in. And then that's when that analytical break kicks. And I started destroying myself. So I don't really smoke weed right now. I think because of that. And right now I'm my, because of the Tony Robbins and then just being able to be free and understanding who I am and just being authentic. I don't really have that issue anymore. I, I really just love the being of who I am right now. So there's no beating me up. You help. You can't beat me up with words and anybody in the street can't because I enjoy who I am. But at the time I was, I was sort of lost. I didn't know. And I think a lot of my business struggles was going through that process over the sell side. You know what I mean? And, and, and if you look at the character of who we are, you double down on the sales. I noticed that. Like, you are the sales guru. You understand it. And you have a very authentic way. And I double down on the feeling and knowledge and whatever because I understand what that was like. Like, you mean, I was telling Isabel about, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but I was telling Isabel about money. We were talking about, we had a dope meeting. We had a dope uh, date the other day. We went out and we pulled out our phones and we were saying, what stocks are you buying? You mean, so my wife and I were going through what stocks she's buying, what stocks am I buying? And I'm thinking, I'm looking at her like, man, she don't know much about stocks. Every damn stock she bought is just like way up. And I'm like, whoa, I need to start listening to her and what stocks she's buying. But what I was telling her is the things that I know about money now will blow your mind because I was having those money financial issues years ago and I don't like those. And so I studied and doubled down to become that. Absolutely. You know I mean, I mean you, you learn from that because it's a visceral response inside of you from what you experienced before, but not being vulnerable or willing to take the chance or willing to embrace failure, you would never learn those lessons. You know, and it, it's like with the first time you do any kind of a project, let's say you get a project, maybe it has a water feature, you never did a water feature before. And the first one's always a learning curve. If you can find somebody to mentor you through it or be able to show you how to do it step by step, then it makes it a lot easier and a lot more predictable. But Oftentimes we are too proud to ask for help because we want to show the world that we can do it ourselves, right? We're pioneers. So we can do it ourselves. We want to take all the credit. The ego loves that. So the problem is that's where you learn the hardest lessons, right? So if you can work with somebody to help you, you know, compress those uh, those decades of information and experience and knowledge into days of, of whatever it might be, like, you know, teaching or mentoring, it's going to help you speed up that process. So you don't got to wait a whole lifetime to enjoy the fruits of that tree. You can actually enjoy them the first day or first week, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's important because I remember in the early days, Dwayne, it, it felt like every year... I felt like I started a new business. And what I mean by that is every spring, all of a sudden the phone would ring and I'd go out and I'd get all these checks and we'd start building stuff. And it was so much fun. We had lots of money. Everything was good. We got the fall. We had big treasure chest, treasure, you know, a war chest full of cash. It was a great year. And then you're like, all right, good. Well, they tell me I have to go buy stuff by the end of the year. So I've got to pay taxes. So you go out and you buy a truck or you buy a piece of equipment or swap something out you have or buy some new stuff. And then comes winter right? And we didn't snow plow. The snow was just too unpredictable in Pennsylvania. So we didn't do that. And in each winter, the funds would slowly drip away. And then I don't know what you call it, but then 15th of April shows up 
I don't know how they could have timed that worse for our industry, right? So 15th of April shows up and you got to pay all your taxes that day. Or, you know, if you do estimated, then you have to pay the balance or whatever's due then. But it seemed like every year by that time, I was back to a little positive, you know what I mean? Or just making it. And I'm like, crap, I got to go out there now and sell, sell, sell like crazy. And the same damn cycle would roll year after year. In some years you had extra leftover for spring, but most years you were just getting to spring checks, right? When those you're trying to sell those first projects and they're going to give you deposits, that's, that's going to fund your tax liability from the year before. Like this, it was this nasty rotational cycle of this seasonal beast that would come and steal all your money away in the winter time, right? So we've obviously figured out ways around that now, but for in the first years, I didn't go to school for business, Dwayne. I went to school for design. So when I got out, I didn't know how to run a business either. I grew up in a business, but my parents didn't go to school to run a business either. They just realized you had to make more money than you spent. Pretty simple, right? So, but that that's the mentality that we start with. Most people don't get into the outdoor living or the landscaping, hardscaping, or any lighting business out there now. They don't get into it coming off the, uh, I went to college to become a business professional, you know, and then get into this industry. That's not normally what happens. Normally it's it's a hobby that turns into a business and then you're managing something that you don't even know what you're managing, right? And you're trying to figure it out the best you can. Then you're trying to ask people. And sometimes you're asking people that really don't have great advice, but you're taking it because it's free. And the next thing you know, you realize it stings you in the ass and you don't want to pay somebody for advice because that costs money. But then the next thing you know, you realize five, 10 years later that you could have just evaporated those five or 10 years of learning if you had somebody on your team that already did this. The next thing you know that you know, your life becomes more uh, dynamic and more successful faster by working with others that already have done this type of thing and walking in their shoes as opposed to, you know, beating a brand new trail in the woods. So, you know, it's it seems like that same cycle was going on for years. And we finally broke it, thank goodness. But at the same time, it's, I know so many in this industry, they struggle with the same thing. They're looking for the off season. They can't wait to stop working in the wintertime, you know, and just do the summer, uh, spring, summer, fall seasons, and then be like, right, I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to go hunting. I'm going to go snowmobiling. I'm going to go whatever uh, in the wintertime. But the reality is that's the time you need to be putting down the gas. You need to be hammering through that winter. So come next year, you don't have to do that. So it's not the same cycle if you just think differently about it. Have you found that to be true out in the Chicagoland area? You know, it, uh, actually, it, you and I, you, you, and, you and I working together on the S Express sort of corrected. I was already starting to come out of that correction about maybe a lot of year before I was coming out of that correction because you actually would have money in the bank account before tax time. Like, I would be negative sometimes before tax. I mean, there were some times like we're being authentic. There were some times where my bank account, business bank account would run negative almost into the time when they were about to shut it down. Like that's how broke I would be coming out of the winter time sometimes. And the thing is you would have the spring hit and even just on the, on the paper patio side, you would have this great spring and you had to live during summer because you sacrificed everything in the wintertime. You sacrificed Christmas. Matter of fact, I've always hated Christmas. Matter of fact, let's 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 put this on the records. This Christmas that we just had is the very first time in my 40, I'm now 45 years, so it's 44 years of life, that I actually, as a grown-up, not as a child, because we used to go to Jamaica for Christmas when I was growing up, but with my my family. But as a grown-up, this is the first time I've actually really liked Christmas. Because the actually first time I actually really had some money to go buy people presents. Like, I spent a couple grand, you know what I mean? And I would spend a couple hundred, if that much, all up until last year. I really enjoyed it for the first time. Because what happens is you'd kick off and you would go up, 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 up during the spring and summer. 
And then you had to live in the summer because you sacrificed everything. So you blew all the money living and finally getting everything back on track. So fall would hit and then you know you're dwindling down. So you're, you're scrambling, scrambling, scrambling. And then boom, you're out of money and you're struggling all winter. And winter was just horrible. Like, you know I mean, winter was just, you were going backwards. You were, I mean, I was overdraft fees, so I was paying double for stuff. I was late on everything, so I'm paying late payments. So about time spring hit, I had to cover the late fees, I had to cover the overdrafts. And, you know, I mean, those first couple checks were just getting me out of hot water just to level me out and then go up again. And this cycle was happening year after year after year, just when I think I knew something different, nothing changed. Like I, I even felt like what they say, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're like an idiot or something like that. I even felt like that. I remember I have I have two friends, Charlie, and another guy by the name of Quinn. These two dudes always had money. So I wanted to have money like these two. But it came to a point like maybe I just don't know this money game because they always have money regardless and I just never do. So it's a problem with me. And as much as I beat myself up about that, some of that was really true. I had to learn how I wasn't like a shitty person. I wasn't going to the riverboat gambling, gambling, gambling. Partying. I just didn't know where to put it and where to go. So I was actually giving it all back into the operation. I wasn't taking anything to enjoy life. I would just I just kept dumping it back into the operation is what I was doing. And what changed for you? How did you how did you switch that mindset? You said something to me that was so simple and it almost made me feel stupid, but I didn't take it as something feel stupid. I remember telling you like, dude, I just can't get this business finance stuff together. Like it's always a mess. Like I was really being honest with you, like it's always a mess. And you looked at me, just straight look, said, how many books have you read on that? And I just, if you notice, if you can remember that conversation, I didn't say shit else when you said it to me. I just shut the fuck up. And from that moment on, I read, I read as many books as I possibly could on finances. And now, and I don't like when, I'm not rich, okay? Because, you know what I mean? I, I posted a thing about test driving an airplane and people insinuate that I'm rich. I'm not rich. I'm just, I just put it, I'm putting money in places that I'm, I'm protecting myself. So I'm not rich. Like I'm, I woke up this morning feeling like my operation is running short. You know what I mean? So it's not, but that's just the operation, but I've put stuff in so many other different places to flow. Now I have this flow and I can look at the operation and say, Dwayne, you got to get this operation back up. It's starting to run low, but yet everything else still has it. So I'm not rich. I just read and put myself in a better position. That's basically what it is. So Dwayne, is there any certain book that you read that really switched it up for you and really got you on track with money? The first one was Profit First. That was sort of the catalyst that really started the direction. And it really spawned from that UPW. Like I met a, a Vivi, Viviana, Viviana, and we were just sitting there talking and she was just telling me her life story. And it was just so dope. Like, you mean some of the stuff that she was dealing with and who she was becoming to build this life. And she was even telling me she really didn't have a tons of money and things like that. And I'm like, so how the hell you're here? And she said, Oh, cause it's part of my expense account da, 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 and it's profit first. I'm like profit first. What's that? And she's like, well, you got to read the book. I'm like, all right. And I, I ignored her. Okay. Like whatever. And so I get home and 
we started talking throughout the weeks and we sort of started, we, we doing what you're called holding each other accountable. So every week I had to do a certain thing. She had to do a certain thing and we would go from there. And she was like, okay, what you got to do is I need you to read the first two chapters. And there were some things that I had put on the list for her to do. And those two chapters, I was like, holy shit. And when I first read it, I even said, there's no way I could do this. It'd never work for me. And he was saying, okay, this success story. I'm like, I'm just like, I was so beat down at that point that I didn't even think I could be the successful one if I did it. Now think about that. Yeah, think about that, dude. Like, um, that's our aha moment right here. I, when I was reading the book, I was so beat down and so distraught about my finances that I didn't even think I could do what he said in that book, and it would work. For, I did, just did not think it would work for me. But what is the what are the results so far after you've done that? My life is is dope. <laughs> it's it's dope. I actually have a personal life. I spend a lot of money on myself personally. Like I really do. Like like I spend money. You mean? pilot's license almost done test flying new planes you know what i mean i get my nails done i got i i think i went last year and threw every stitch of clothes away in the closet and bought all new clothes because the clothes that i was wearing that you guys saw me wearing believe it or not was uh, from the goodwill like um i would never buy clothes because i was scared to spend money on myself because it had to stay in the business in order to keep the business alive so isabel showed she I don't know what it was, but she actually showed me the Goodwill one day. And I'm like, whoa, you could buy a shirt for four bucks. So I would go buy shirts for four or five dollars because I was scared to go buy anything else. So some would fit right, some wouldn't. But it was a it was a shirt and it didn't it didn't burden my my cash in the business. So I could just buy myself the cheap shit. Everything I spent money like a like somebody who worked at McDonald's. I never really bought anything for myself that wow, probably cost more amazing. than hundred bucks. Yeah. That was up until two years ago. Quite a transformation. Huh? 45. Just a difference in philosophy. It's the same money, <laughs> just a different philosophy, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the same money. Yeah, it's the same money. Um, it's actually a little bit more money um, because when you start separating the money, you see it differently and you see different opportunities of profit compared to letting things go because now you have, now I have a personal side. Now I have operational side. Now I have a profit side. Now I have a tax side. Now I have a owner's pay side. So all these separate categories have to be funded. And so you just don't let things go anymore. You don't, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I'll take care of it for free. You don't do that anymore because you have these certain sides that money has to go. And it actually controlled the household a lot better. Like, I mean, if I didn't have an allocation for it, my wife, women, they know how to spend money. My wife is like, I'm about this. I'm about that. I'm about that. Now there's an allocation. It's not that anymore. And she loves it. She actually, she's actually more of a part of it than me because she gets to build to what she wants. And once she gets to that section, boom, it's on. You I mean, so she feels more accomplished with it. It's a beautiful thing. Now, Dwayne, for our listeners that don't know, you know, about this book or, you know, don't know what Profit First is about, can you give them like the 3000 mile out, like the real fast down and dirty of what it is and uh, so that they can see if it's something that makes sense for them? It's, um, I guess I'm being interviewed now. It's a very simple system. And what he says is, we do this every day. Every day, most people wake up and they hop online and they check their bank accounts, okay? And so what he's saying is, Mike McCallowitz is his name. I think I'm his friend now because I can send him a video and he'll actually respond. He's actually sent me a couple of videos back and sent me some evil. So I think I'm his friend. I don't know if he's my friend. You definitely friend are. 
but I think you're on I'm the Christmas good. card list. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if him <laughs> and I, Mike, if you're listening to it, we're fucking friends. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so what happens is he says, open up several different bank accounts. So what happens is we have an income account. So every dime that comes into the company goes into the income account. It's a processing system. So from the income account, we have a certain percent that goes into profit. Then we have a certain percent that goes into operation. Certain percent goes into owner's pay. Certain percent goes into taxes. So as you, your business hits certain increments from like 250K and up, those numbers and those percentages change. And so every dime that comes in, other than cost of goods sold, because, you know, that's a direct buy. So whatever cost of whatever the item costs, you got to put it in and pay it out and get it out. But whatever profit you have from that, that cost of goods sold, then it goes through this system. And what it does is it creates profit in your business. Instantly. Like, you know, you hear this bullshit that your company, well, it's going to take five or six years to profit. Well, you follow the system. You're in a profitable state of business the, the exact day that you start the system. Now you got to go open up the five bank accounts. You got to manage all this stuff. But, and I, you have to, I have a spreadsheet that I built that, that you mean that divvies this up, but it was the dopest thing I could have done. And it, it, it literally changed my life. Literally. So it's just a matter of opening up a couple of bank accounts and understanding the percentages to put it in and just make sure that money's allocated in those buckets and then only pulling from those buckets to pay the certain pieces that come from it, but you're putting your profit percentage away first, which is the whole basis of that story. And I, I love that book. That's one of my favorites. It's such a simple system and it's so powerful, so powerful. And uh, Michalowicz definitely nails it with it the way he says it. So guys, if you're out there listening, this sounds like something that you would get value from or, or would love to read the book. Dwayne and I are, are definitely open to, uh, we'll drop it from Amazon or from Amazon to your doorstep. We'll take care of the cost. No big deal. Just reach out to us and we will get you a copy so you can read it. I think you guys would get a ton of value. I know we have throughout this and I know I've seen how much it's changed Dwayne's life as well. So it's really, a, it's a powerful concept. So again, reach out through one of our channels here with the podcast. We'd be happy to send you a free copy of it, read through, and hopefully it has the same impact on you as, as it's had on, on us. So Super cool. And we're not, we're not getting paid by anybody. Mike's not in here, you know, in the back of the, uh, the recording studio saying, Hey, tell them all about this. This is, we just love to share what's on our hearts and we'd love to share what's authentic to us and what's helped us on our, 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 uh, journey. So that would be our privilege to be able to help you along on yours as well. So you best believe Mike's getting this podcast. Matter of fact, we're going to get him on this podcast because I mean, that was dope. It, it, it was a life changer. Absolutely. No, we definitely got him on the podcast. And I don't think you have an issue with that, especially <laughs> with the results that have coincided with the, his work, of course. Well, remember, but, we're friends. We're friends. Now, that's right. So. That's right. Because you, you can pull out your friend card and see if that yeah, helps. Yeah, I can pull out my friend card. <laughs> say, Mike, we're friends. You're going to be on this podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess back to our main subject here. And money obviously drives a lot of that stuff. And I'm glad we went on that uh, down that rabbit hole because it is so powerful to get that under control. Because when you do, you start building confidence. You start trusting yourself. Right. And when you start trusting yourself and building confidence, that that translates into every transaction or, or work with clients or with your team or your family. All of that expands and explodes into uh, joy and positivity and all these kinds of things. Right. So that confidence that you build by learning to trust yourself and trusting your gut and your intuition, it all helps when some of these things that are tough, like money or, you know, the confidence in making mistakes or thinking people are going to judge you. Like once those things get kicked at a curb and you're like, I don't really care 
everything opens up. You don't have all that head trash sloshing around in there all the time that's telling you, don't do this. What are they going to say? Oh my goodness, if you fail, what's going to happen here, right? All that disappears. So, so much of this starts within your own mind. And that's the craziest part about all of this. But having systems like Profit First or having systems in general, processes and systems that can help guide you help equal more confidence because you trust the system as opposed to trying to just trust yourself and you know you don't know what the hell you're doing. So having those systems and processes are certainly important in order to make sure you're getting the most out of your life and out of your business as well. Because most of the time, you know, in business especially, I know when I first started out, it was all about, I had to know everything, right? I had to know everything that needed to be done in the business. I had to need to know everything uh, when it comes to installation or when it comes to sales, when it came to uh, the banking site, whatever it was, I had to know it all. And the problem was I was constantly spinning my wheels and trying to know everything because then I could you know, help everybody, whatever, and not allowing others in to help me. I felt like I was an island of, of, of myself. And the problem is that you can only go so far before you burn out and you just can't do it all yourself. You know, if you're out there working in the field on top of all that too and running the business, and it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. And that's a lot of times where the failure, you start getting so overwhelmed with everything that you're just like, screw it. Like, I'm just going to do the basics because it's easy. As opposed to the other option would be to start building a team around you. A team that's not just there to do the work, but also advisors, mentors. Find systems and processes. Find books, like as we were talking about earlier, to expand your perspective of things. And learn how to develop the skills to solve problems. If you can, instead of worrying about how to do the best, whatever it might be, like uh, uh, the best paver base, let's say, for instance, or install the best plants or whatever, like instead of focusing on that, focus on how you can become the best problem solver. Be really super, build the muscles it takes to be super confident and you'll be able to make decisions on the fly. Because oftentimes what happens is people get stuck in analysis paralysis and they don't make decisions. So that same thought, keeps perplexing them for a, an hour, a day, a year, whatever it might be. They don't make a decision. They're scared to make the decision because they're scared of the failure. But when you learn and you build the muscles and the reps in order to be able to look at a situation and make a quick decision, whether it's right or wrong, you're going to learn out really freaking quick. That's the thing, regardless of what it is. But when you build that confidence and that gut understanding that whatever you say is going to be right, and if it's not, you're going to fix it later. You will save so much time of your life worrying about things and what could happen or what might happen as opposed to just getting it done and to find out what happens. It's that simple because 99% of the shit in your head that you're fearing, the failures, they never come true. They never come true. It's all a figment of your imagination. And they, they, they sit there and, and they take up so much of your conscious time and you, it keeps you up at night and you, you have ulcers or you're just indigestion. Like you just feel like crap all the time because you have all this pressure. But if you learn how to let it go and then learn how to make decisions, whether they're right or wrong, you're going to find out quicker if you just do it. And then you'll learn and get the muscles and build the confidence in making quick decisions that, that they don't have to sit there on your back the whole time, like a 20,000 pound gorilla holding on to you. So, I mean, that's that's a super important part of all this. You know, you're, um, this, the topic of the podcast today is like, do you have what it takes? And that, it rolls over your tongue very lightly. But when, I know when you close your eyes and you look back past the 20 years, all those, those days are like, wow, like, I'm here? And... I tell some people like, man, how was it being a business owner? And I, I say a lot, like, I don't know if, if I knew what it took to be a business owner, if I knew what it took before I started, 
I don't think I would have gone this route because I'm like, whoa, that was a lot. You know what I mean? And but do you have what it takes? Like for you, I can tell like when I, and I just I just caught it today by listening to you. I can hear that the sales part sucked for you. Like you you had finances down, but that sales side, you hated that. And that's why this your yes express is so dope. Like that's why it's so it's if you gotta go through Yes Express, you know what I mean? Because you will sell your face off to the point where you can't even keep up with the business. But the only reason why that process is so powerful and so strong is because of you and those no's that you've had and those doors shut and everything you wanted to do. And he was saying no. So like the question for you is like, when did it finally turn around? Like when was this day when like, oh shit, I finally got one. And now let me get some more. Maybe if I say that again and say that, like, when did it, when did it turn around? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I know exactly what date is. I don't know the date, but I remember the day extremely, extremely well. You know, after all these years and, and all these projects that I designed that I remember some of them where I'm like, they're definitely going to say yes. And it's exactly what they asked for. And I'm probably, uh, I'd say almost, almost 20 years into my career, you know, every year business was growing and all of that. But you know, it did the sales thing. You're right. I struggled with that because I, I didn't understand. I didn't listen to the clients. I just did what I thought they wanted and found out that we were on two different planets speaking two different languages. Right. But I was like, this is so beautiful because I was so uh, focused on the design side, not the functional, not necessarily functional side, not the, the uh, clients buy-in, like what's in it for them. Right. Is it just a beautiful space or is it uh, something that I came up with or, or is it something totally different? Like I never really let them talk. I figured if I could talk a lot, I could fill that silence with sound. And when I did that, they would be like, wow, this guy's so smart. We're going to hire him because of that. The problem is that I never listened to them. Like STFU, shut the fuck up. I didn't do that. I was always talking. So what I realized was that in order to be successful, I had to listen more. So there's one project in particular. It's one of my, my most project I'm most proud about so far. It was one of our coolest projects, but we went through this project, met the client, had a phone call with him, met the client. Uh, this is, uh, I don't know, what was this, like seven, at least seven years ago or so. So it, anyway, tons of no's, all that good stuff. Meet this client and we start talking about it. It was like in the perfect in, perfect development, if you will, or, or plan. These were like all gigantic homes, beautiful place. Like this is old money. This is the nice place. And I went in there and we talked through it and I was nervous as hell because I'm like, fuck, you know, that uh, imp imposter syndrome kicked in. I'm like, they're going to figure me out. Like I've never got a yes for this kind of thing. Like, oh my God. But I, I said, I don't care. I'm going to hit this goddamn wall until I go through it. Until I go through this, I'm just going to keep hitting it. So, and I just had, somebody had to say yes eventually. So I went and sat down with them. We looked at everything. They gave me a budget. They said like 250, 300,000 would be enough. And they wanted a ton of stuff. I mean, we're talking pools and, and it was a very large deck, a pergola, you know, redoing a ton of the front. They wanted gas lanterns. They wanted like a ton of stuff, pool house, like everything. And I was like, oh crap, this is way over my pay grade. But I've, I've been practicing enough on these nose that I know how to design this. The build side, you know, we have our, our specialists. So I can, I'll work with them and we'll come together as a team to put this together. And I remember leaving there with a $300,000 design, you know, agreement, um, not for the design, but for the budget of the project. And they gave me a check and I got in the car, right? And I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Like I actually got a check now to design this thing. I'm so excited, right? So I designed this thing and by the time I'm done designing it, it's like 
five, six hundred thousand dollars by the time they're done. And I'm like, oh shit, here I go again, right? Didn't listen to the client. Their expectations are totally different, whatever. So I'm like, look, I'm gonna go in with two different options for them and see what happens. I went in and sat down with them. They looked at it and they looked at each other. They're like, we love it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what happens next, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that they wrote me a check, my biggest check I ever got to that point. I don't even know what it was. It was some big ass number. And I was totally blown away. I was, I was like, oh my God, they finally said yes. I got in the car, no bullshit, Dwayne. I got in the car and I squealed like a little schoolgirl for like 15 minutes. I was so excited and, and like, it seemed like all those years of the no's finally coalesced into this one yes that was totally worth waiting for. And it's still today was one of my favorite projects that we've done and the client is amazing. We've always worked together well. And from that, we got to take a lot of really cool pictures and, and during project pictures and all that. And, and that started to create the awareness that we can do projects like this. And the next thing you know, others are calling us for projects, maybe not of that scale, but other projects that was in the, the realm of where I love to work. And that's really what it all happened. But it took, no bullshit, all those years to be told those big projects, no, too much. No, no I'm not spending that much. I'm not spending $250,000 in the backyard. I'm not doing that. Are you crazy? Like my house isn't even worth that. But it's because I was speaking to the wrong people and I didn't know how to speak to them. I wouldn't let them talk. So again, the sales process was designed in a way that, that fixes so many things that I didn't know because I didn't go to school for this. You know, I didn't, I didn't get out of school and say, I'm going to go to, you know, sales academy or something like that, or go into a business academy. I went to the school of hard knocks. You know, I did go to school for design, but everything else was learned in the street. And that's the thing. You can read a book or you can do a, a go to college or whatever. But most of that stuff is, is, again, it's all psychological. It's all just a mental game they're trying to play. There's no actual application to using it and thinking on your feet and having to be really you know nimble and, and quick and figure out what are they thinking and what are the objections coming three objections from now so I can be prepared for that and not have to overthink everything. Like all those things are, are so important, but that's what I've learned over the years, you know, to answer your question. I remember it very clearly when it finally clicked and I'm like, oh my God, I'm on to something. And then all the things that I didn't do right, this one worked. Let's keep moving forward with this. And next thing you know, I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. And like, and, and just fine tuning it, fine tuning it and, and hiring mentors and having people look at it from a different perspective, from different industries. Say, guys, look, this is how you do it, but this is how the rest of the world does it. So let's figure out a way that we can get this thing dialed in that, that a human enjoys this experience, not just somebody buying an outdoor living space or a deck or patio or pool, but a human enjoys this experience. How can we make this the best experience possible if they can discover what they're looking to do? Because most people, as you know, Dwayne, our, our clients only buy these outdoor living spaces once or twice in a lifetime, right? So we have to we have to knock their fucking socks off. We have to really make a big impression. Our goal now is, is to make sure that their experience is the best customer service experience they've ever had, regardless of what it is. It's, it's better than Ritz-Carlton, better than, than you know Mercedes, better than any of those companies because we want that for our industry. We want to raise the entire industry up and the way to do it is by example. So if we can now take what we've learned over all those years, compress it into a program and have people come in and be able to learn what we learned for 20 some years, be able to pack that into a seven week course. I mean, that's it makes me so happy to watch companies come in and, and watch people learn and see the lights go off and hear the stories and it's just, it lights me up. I love it. So it's, it's so much fun, but yeah. So that's my very, very long answer to your very short question. That That's dope though. But what changed in your mind? Well, what changed my mind is I finally grew the confidence knowing that it is possible. You know, when they said yes to me, I was like, oh my goodness, 
they actually believe in me. Because at that time, I didn't believe in myself. I looked in the mirror, and I didn't love who I looked at. I looked at that person, and I'm like, hmm, okay. And now, after going through UPW and going through my journey here in the last four or five years, dude, I look in the mirror, and I'm like, you're a fucking machine. You know what I mean? And it's not from the ego side of thing. It's because, you know, it's it's the giving, it's the gratitude, it's all of those things. But it's it's just knowing deep down exactly who I am and what I will and won't tolerate. And to be just confident in that, knowing that no matter what is thrown at me, no matter what life throws at me, I will figure it out. Having that deep down confidence in general will free you from everything because nothing is un fixable. You know, everything is fixable, I guess is a better way to say it, right? So it's a matter of knowing that you just have that and you're not worried about what's coming around the corner that's going to try to knock your knees out again. It's saying like, try it. I'll figure it out. Yeah. It's it's dope how these changes in our life and our businesses really just happened like three years ago, four years ago. And we've been in these industries yep. for 20 plus years. So imagine what the rest of these people contractors are dealing with like yep, they're good absolutely people. you mean we're painting a finger all oh, these guys are crooks and they're not doing jobs right and they're not giving a shit about the client nah dude like those guys are us you know like do you have what it takes to make it this far i guess we're proving that we had what it takes not knowing that we knew what it took i mean if that makes no it's true sense it's because we wouldn't give up that's the main thing like we had something to prove to ourselves that we could do this and that we were like giving up was never an option, no matter whatever came at it. And it wasn't just because we had families to feed. It wasn't even just that. There's something inside that burns. The why is strong enough. You know, deep down, you can do it. Now you just need to prove it to yourself that you can do it. But to, at the end of all that, not love yourself and not love uh, what you've become or love what you can do for other people, like that's the biggest travesty in my mind is to end up with money. If, if all you end up with out of this life is money, then I think it's a complete fucking waste. If you can't impact people's lives and you can't be grateful every single day for the breath that you take and the sun coming out and your family and the beautiful food you get to eat and the opportunities you have without even having to try. I mean, it's incredible the life we live. And if you don't have that in your mind each and every day and you're not conscious of it, you'll take it for granted. And once you take it for granted, then everything starts to suck a little bit more. So once you realize that, it, you just have to be grateful every day for every single thing, even that client that's bitching. There's something in it that they're trying to teach you and you're just trying to tune it out because you don't want to hear it, but it's at the right time always. So listen to the deeper meaning in what they're saying, because oftentimes that is what unlocks this entire Pandora's box of discovery and curiosity within yourself. And next thing you're like, you know what? I am better because that person was finally honest. The first client that was honest with me about that. And if you just wardle off as them being crazy bastards, it's one thing you can do that, but you didn't learn the lesson. That's not a failure. This is a learning opportunity. <laughs>